As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Graceful Atheist Podcast. My name is David, and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. I want to thank the latest raters and reviewers. I've got one on Apple Podcasts, that is Olay Girl, and one on Podchaser.com, that is Crystal Sun. Thank you both for rating and reviewing the podcast. That really helps for people to discover the podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. I'll give another plug here for the new private Facebook group, Deconversion Anonymous. Again, that has taken off and is thriving. It is absolutely fun to watch people connect with one another. There are lots of former guests in the group. If there's one of your favorite episodes and you really wish you could talk to that person, they might be there. You should join and check it out. Facebook.com slash groups slash deconversion and the links will be in the show notes. Special thanks to Mike T for editing today's podcast. On to today's show. My guest today is Jack Robertson. Jack has a podcast called The Musings of an ADD Mind. As the title implies, he has ADD, and that played into his deconversion a little bit. He says he was never quite sure if he truly believed or whether it was just a hyper-focus on Christianity. Jack is very much on a very long journey, both politically and spiritually, and we get to hear him in that process. Jack also has a brand new puppy named Higgins. The photo of the episode has a picture of him. Higgins is as tall as Jack. If you don't often see the picture associated with the episode, this one is absolutely worth it. Here is Jack Robertson to tell his story. Jack, welcome to the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Thank you for having me on, David. I appreciate it. It's always exciting to have people reach out and want to tell their stories. So thank you for responding to my desperate plea for people to come on and and tell their stories. 
it's hard to have a show without guests in your case. <laughs> this <laughs> so is true. You're welcome. This, you're welcome. <laughs> this is true. Uh, so as always, the beginning question is, uh, what was your faith tradition like uh, growing up? I grew up Southern Baptist. My mom was super mega Southern Baptist. Okay. <laughs> I don't hold any sort of like hatred or being upset at mom. Um, that's just who she was. And my mom, for the most part, when you talk about sort of the how a Christian is supposed to be and act and treat people, that was my mom. Okay. But she believed everything like with satanic panic and there were a couple other odd things that sort of affected me since I was the oldest child <laughs> that my siblings didn't have to go through. Okay. Okay. Let's see. I, I wasn't allowed to listen to any sort of music that wasn't Christian music with the exception of country. Cause that's what dad listened to and Neil <laughs> Diamond because my mom loved Neil Diamond. <laughs> I love it. Exceptions. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, if she's going to listen to Neil Diamond, <laughs> but I guess I was in sixth grade and I got in trouble because I was listening to the local pop station and my dad just sort of looked at her and said, he's a kid. That's what he's going to listen to. Yeah. He can listen to that music. And my mom said, okay, mm, which was good. sort of weird. Because yeah. I wasn't allowed to go to the mall by my the mall by myself until I was 16 because I might get kidnapped because of the <laughs> satanic panic. Oh dear! Oh man! I think we've said on the podcast before that uh, the the idea of the secular music that's allowed is always whatever today's adult contemporary is, <laughs> right? Right? Like where right. whatever the parents' age is. Whatever's adult contemporary for them, that's fine. That's good. Secular music's fine. <laughs> Which is why my kids like Metallica and Tool. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So you had some restrictions, it sounds like. I, I did. And they were usually sort of, they were kind of odd things like that. And some things to this day still affect me. I wasn't allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons because that let, lets demons in. My kids play it and they're like, dad, can you play? And I know that there's no such thing as demons. I just can't play it. There's like some block in my head that yeah, I just can't do it. And it's weird that at 50 years old, that's ingrained in me. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of things like that, that, that people go yeah. through, you know, post, post deconstruction, deconversion. There's just things that you rationally know are, aren't a problem, but uh, you're, uh, you know, you can't undo some of that yeah it's it's weird my like i said i let my kids play because i always thought that was ridiculous i just can't play with them <laughs> right right <laughs> okay i think also part of the reason mom was super strict with me is because about four years before i was born my mom had a kid and her parents made her put him up for adoption so i think some of all of that uh like weird restrictions that she had on me is because I was the baby she got to keep. Yeah. And so like, I guess the thought of, you know, some Satan worship and psycho kidnapping me at the mall was more than she could bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you have a, the, the natural propensity for some parents to be overprotective. And then you add on top of that, this layer of 
supernatural elements. And, and yeah, that would be, that'd be terrifying. I, th- I think it was for her. Um, the cool thing is I met my brother when I was 31. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And strangely enough, his adoptive parents named him the same name I had. So my mom had two kids with the same name. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I just always found that funny. Um, yeah. Remember the, what was it? The Bob Newhart thing. This is my brother, Larry and my other brother, Larry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I guess one thing I need to mention is I have sort of suffered my whole life with ADD and I was diagnosed, diagnosed so long ago, it wasn't called ADD or ADHD. I was just a hyperactive, annoying kid. Part of my ADD though, is I tend to hyper focus on things if it interests me. And so looking back now, the times where I was like super mega Christian, I'm not sure if it's because I actually believed or if I was hyper-focusing on it. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Interesting. I, that was the question I was going to ask is if, if faith was ever real for you internally, but uh, it sounds like that's a complicated answer. Yeah. There were, there were periods in my life where it was in high school there was like a year where like I, I recommitted my life to Jesus at summer camp, you know, church summer camp. And then as an adult, I sort of did the same thing. And then sort of both times something happened and I just sort of quit going to church. Okay. And this sounds weird. I feel like I was my entire life one click away from not believing in God, (laughs) but believing in God at the same time. I know that's kind of odd. And I, I don't know if I'm verbalizing it correctly, if that makes sense. I think it's honesty, right? When I reflect back on my time of faith, I recognize now how often I was protecting myself from the truth. Right. You know, and so I think, you know, someone like yourself, maybe you were just more honest about that. You know, you were more, more aware or conscious of the fact that something's not quite right yet. Yeah. I, I remember when I was four, my mom was reading the Bible to me and she was reading the Adam and Eve story. And I was, I told her that I didn't think it was fair that all snakes had to lose their legs because the devil took the form of a snake. And I thought, you know, you don't punish my brother and sister when I do something wrong, but right. God punished like every single snake for some dude just <laughs> taking their shape. And I was like, that just didn't seem fair to me. Yeah. And I know it frustrated my mom at the time because I don't think she'd ever thought of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But, but she just sort of explained it away. And then one year at vacation Bible school, we were talking about, you know, Egypt and the Pharaoh. And I got in trouble because I was pointing out that Pharaoh would have let him go, but God hardened his heart and wouldn't let him let him go. I'm like, how is he not the bad guy here? He killed all those Egyptians. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, so many of the stories in the Bible as soon as you take off the rose-colored glasses, they are, they're truly horrifying, right? If you truly let yeah. the implications reveal themselves, it's bad. Yeah, the Friendly Atheist did a video on YouTube that chalked up like 
known deaths and plausible deaths by God in the Bible. And then he compared it to Satan and like Satan was 10 and God was something like 47 million. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are just things that always bugged me. And, and then strangely as an adult, I'm like, God has this strange foreskin fetish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know that's a weird thing to comment, but it's mentioned frequently in the Bible. Yeah. And so just stuff like that, though, I would kind of read it. I've read the Bible through and through three times. And I would just read things and think, but he's the bad guy. Yeah, he replaced Job's kids with new kids. But if my first set of kids died, I would miss them horribly. And the new kids wouldn't replace them. Exactly. I feel that way about my dogs. (laughs) My favorite uh, kind of look at the story of Job is uh, Jennifer Michael Hecht her book doubt a history and she talks about job's wife being the hero of that story because she she tells job curse god and and, and die <laughs> you know like right <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was that was beautiful it's a great twist on the way to interpret that story yeah yeah it was just stuff like that and then in high school we went to camp and i as summer camp is designed to do I, you know, rededicated my life to Christ. And, you know, when you look back on it, that is the whole purpose of summer camp. You're in there with all of this. You're locked sort of away from everybody. You know, there's a preacher preaching the whole time, multiple services a day. You know, my mom didn't care that I was allergic to the place we went to and spent the whole time hopped up on Benadryl Mm -hmm. and sneezing. And I was miserable, but somehow it still got to me and I rededicated my life to Christ. And then the next year I was one of those flagpole praying people before church and Mm. going to the church meetup at lunch. And then um, what sort of stopped that I, uh, I had a girlfriend and we uh, did the deed. (laughs) I invited, I'm a guy. (laughs) You're a human, but yes. Right. Yes. (laughs) I confided in uh, some friends of mine, and even though this time frame was pre-sort of purity culture, they sort of like went off on me, and I thought, well, that wasn't, you know, the thing. I was expecting like, hey, you know, you can be forgiven, yada, yada, yada. Right. And then like the next time I went to church, everybody in the youth group knew what I had like confided in them and I was like, wow, that's super Christian-y. So I never went back. Yeah. Ouch. That's got to hurt. Yeah. And then I met my wife now um, shortly after I graduated from high school and she had a five month old baby and We just hit it off. And this is what I talk about when I say my mom was always super like loving. In 1991, teenage pregnancy was still heavily frowned upon. I mean, it is now, but it was really frowned upon then. And my mom loved uh, my girlfriend, now wife, and loved the little girl. And she didn't treat her any different. In fact, she treated her just like a grandkid from the from the get-go. Right. And then um, when we got married, I, I did adopt her. Um, 
and I was as equally a poor parent to her as I was my my biological children. That's a okay. joke. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I was in the army, and I know that there's the statement of there are no atheists in a foxhole, but just through training and getting deployed to Kuwait with the potential to have to fight again in 96, Saddam Hussein pulled 20,000 troops to the Kuwaiti border and Bill Clinton sent 5,000 of us from Fort Hood to stop them, we would have. Mm -hmm. And I was never, you know, terrified where I was, you know, praying or anything like that. Were you consciously like, did you, had you, decided you no longer believed at that point or I was indifferent, I guess. Yeah. It's not that I had decided I don't believe. I just didn't care about it. Okay. (laughs) So when I would come home, mom would invite us to church and we would go to church. And at that time she had moved on from Southern Baptist to, I don't really know what the denomination was, but I was freaked out as an adult. The first time I went in there and the preacher was preaching and people started dancing. Okay. When the, yeah. when the Holy spirit hit them, yeah. I was like, okay. what the heck? A little different than Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, um, Without saying the last name, my mom would get irritated because I started calling a friend of hers that was dancing Disco Doris. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Mom wasn't too pleased about that. (laughs) I guess not. Yeah. (laughs) When my eldest daughter was about 14, my sister took her to church. And she liked it. And it's a large mega church in Oklahoma City with multiple campuses. Uh, I don't know if you've heard it, Life Church. I'm not familiar with it, but I'm sure people in Oklahoma are. Yeah, they have like 30 campuses throughout the country. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so then my wife started going and then she convinced me to go and and. I went and it was, you know, different because it was sort of the modern Christian pop music. And yeah, I realize now it was more fast food church because they had like four services a day. But everybody was super nice and friendly and I didn't have to dress up for church, which was a big thing for me because I'm a firm believer that the business world needs to start with business casual shorts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so I... I went all in again and it was a, it was like a good solid six years that it was, I was always going to church and taking my kids to church and serving at church and greeting people and having Bible studies in my house. And I read the Bible again and, and I was all in and I was part of a group that was helping people recover from drug addiction. Okay. Which to me is a pretty important thing. Yeah. And just one day we went to have our meeting and they were like, yeah, the church doesn't want to uh, let us come in and use the church anymore because they're not, you know, going to be doing programs that are extra like this. And I was like, but it doesn't cost the church anything. There's already an event going on at the time that we're using it. It's not like we're costing you, you know, utilities. Right. Right. 
I was like, don't you want people to, you know, not do heroin or crack? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's an important ministry in my opinion. Yeah. And so once again, I was like, well, this is just stupid. And my wife and I sort of went around to other churches and I just wasn't happy at any of them. I didn't like any of them. And so we quit going. And once again, I just sort of became indifferent. And if my sister invited me to go to church, you know, something going on, I would go. And frequently my mom went there. She had stepped back from crazy dancing church. And so, you know, I would go with mom if she wanted me to, because, you know, it's your mom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I just became indifferent. And the thing I told you about in the email was, I guess it was like four years ago, a friend of mine posted on Facebook that she had applied for a job and that 50 other people had also, you know, interviewed for that job. And she said, could you pray for me? And I had just watched a video where the person does the random comment generator where someone wins a prize. And I was like, well, how does God decide which of those 50 people? This is Oklahoma. 47 of them are doing the exact same thing she's doing, asking for prayer. I'm like, does God have like a prayer generator that, and it's Steve from Bethany. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, that gets the job. Yeah. And I was just like, what, does he decide it by whose friends pray the most for it? Well, she had 50 people pray, but he had 75. So I'm going to go with that person. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, this is stupid. God is stupid. There is no God. (laughs) Okay. And it was like, bam, I was a (laughs) non-believer. Yeah. Wow. That is really interesting. (laughs) I. One of the things I really relate to your story there is, and I think many other people will too, is there's kind of a phase that you go through near the end. You're not done yet, but you're unsatisfied with the particular church you're in and you go mm-hmm. church shopping, right? You think, Correct. well, maybe, maybe this will be better and maybe this will fit me better. And it works a little bit for maybe it extends things for a little while, but what's really happening is you're changing and you're you know, you know, some, deep down somewhere, you know, something's not quite right. And none of the churches are going to be satisfied. Yeah, that you're exactly right. And then after that happened, I saw, I think it was a video. I read it something I don't remember, but the person said, you've already quit believing in all of the other gods that the world's ever had. What's one more? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, that's true. I don't believe yeah. in Zeus. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I often, you know, say, you know, like if I'm talking to an apologist or something, it's like I expend the exact amount of psychic energy that you do <laughs> worrying about whether Zeus will be angry with you, right? That I do for Yahweh. And it's not convincing to the apologist, but it, it does clarify <laughs> what what we're trying to express. Exactly. I'm not worried that Thor's gonna come down and hit me with his hammer. Exactly. It would be kind of cool if he did, maybe. <laughs> But yeah, just, just stuff like that. It was literally, I sort of believed. And then I just, bam, I didn't. And I even went a period of time where I didn't 
search out podcasts for other people that didn't, I didn't even know there was a term called deconversion. I just felt like I'm not, but after a year or two, I realized I have all of these strange issues Mm. from growing up, you know, in a super religious, well, a half super religious home because my dad was not super religious. That brings up another point. I always thought it was unfair that he did not have to go to church on Sunday and Wednesday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. My mom thought otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, again, I think you're telling other people's stories there, right? I think uh, lots of times one, one caregiver is totally dedicated and the other one isn't. And the kids go along with the caregiver who wants to go to church and it is unfair. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a glaring signpost that something is wrong. Yeah. You know, why did, why did dad get to stay home and watch Hill Street Blues? I had to go. <laughs> I had to yes. go. Just, just things like that. And when I decided, you know, well, I do have these issues. I need to, that's when I decided to seek out, you know, websites or videos or podcasts of other people. Okay. Because I thought I can't be alone in this. There have to be other people going through the same thing that I am. Yeah. And then I found your podcast and a couple others that I listened to and then saw, you know, people that are in the Christian music world that, you know, all of a sudden they release a tweet or an Instagram. I don't believe in God anymore. And I'm like, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. not famous. <laughs> exactly, exactly. In that world. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the other podcasts or what are the other, other resources did you find useful? Um, well, I've, of course, now I can't think of any of them. <laughs> no worries. I no listened worries. to the Friendly Atheist and then the Thinking Atheist and um, John Steingarten. Steingard, yeah. He's been yeah, on the podcast. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to his podcast that he started. And if you're listening, you haven't put one out since the beginning of September, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and just there's several of them. And then um, I started watching uh, Telltale on YouTube, even though his is more uh, from a Jehovah's Witness mm -hmm. um, type of a thing. And one of my big things is I love history and I will watch a ton of stuff about any type of history. And during the pandemic, I was working from home and I would put things on in the background. And usually it was YouTube. And I found a, a YouTube channel where he just talks about the history of Mesopotamia and the Levant and all of that, which by the way, is incredibly dynamic. You should learn about that time. It's amazing. It's Game yeah. of Thrones without dragons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I started watching that, which led me to uh, other professors that would have like class, their class online. And then I hear people talk something I never knew that L was part of the uh, Mesopotamian pantheon and that Yahweh probably was more, you know, south of Israel. What is that media, median or whatever it was? And that at some point, what probably happened was those two gods merged and became one god yeah because there's archaeological evidence for it and just stuff like that just all of a sudden just cemented <laughs> you know yeah. that it's just a 
book, a poorly written book. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think when you start to, uh, particularly the the Torah, the the big the Pentateuch of the Old Testament, when you start to dig in and find out, you know, each different name for uh, for God could have represented a different God in a different mm-hmm. culture, and that it is a pantheon. Pantheon's the right word. That there, it's not a God, it's multiple gods. <laughs> and, you know, that starts to really mess with all of both Jewish and Christian theology. But again, it's just taking a, an honest look at what the texts actually say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's weird that history cemented my deconversion, but I guess that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdness that's me. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that at all. I think, you know, again, I hate to just continue to beat up on apologists, but one of the reasons they focus so hard on the idea of inerrancy is that the the stories are riddled with holes. And so without this concept of inerrancy, then it does fall apart. (laughs) Like there's just no way to, you can't, you know, duct tape and bailing wire the thing together and keep it solid. Exactly. Inerrancy is funny because, in Hebrew, there is no J, right? J came later in his, your book doesn't even get Jesus's name right. It was, you know, Yeshua, (laughs) which is Joshua in Greek. Yeah. So it's hard to claim that the Bible is without error when the son of God's name is literally wrong (laughs) in the Bible. That's like the biggest gaping hole you could have, right? (laughs) Yeah, don't get me started on translations, but I think. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. I understand, I understand. I guess I need to add too that like a lot of other guests that you've had on, the way the church treats, um, I can't say this, because of my ADD, LGBTQ plus, I have to say it's low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, really got to where it disturbed me. And I had, here in Oklahoma City, there was somebody that, I want to say he was like 25, 26, and he grew up in, you know, a super religious homeschool home. And he was sent as a teenager and as a young man to conversion therapy. And he ended up being so distraught and distressed over it. He killed himself because he Mm. felt, you know, because the church had bet, you know, beat that into him that he was a horrible person. And he felt that he would rather end his life than have to deal with that. And I was like, that's horrible. Why would you do that to your children? Yeah, it's, the tragedy is that many people who go through that conversion therapy do wind up committing suicide because, it, just as you say, it, it, underlying the what is being said is that there's something wrong with you. Yeah, it it broke my heart to read that, and I just I couldn't imagine doing that to not only my children but just anybody's kid. You know, you're supposed to love your kids. Yeah, everything. And so it, it broke my heart. And that was also sort of at that time when I just quit sort of going to church and that sort of 
was a big, you know, change in, in me. I'm not going to say that I was like a bigot or anything like that. I like people. If you're friendly to me, I'll be friendly to you. Yeah. I, I tend to think that once you get to know a person, if they're worth not liking, they'll let you know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it, it doesn't matter, you know, who they are, who they love or skin color. Yeah. Jerks come in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah. And that was a big deal, uh, a big deal for me. And it sort of started changing me. And um, now dealing with that, uh, I have his permission to say this. My son is bisexual. Okay. And I can't imagine not loving my son. Right. Exactly. For that reason. Now, if you started listening to like country and Western, (laughs) that's a legit reason. (laughs) Just as you said, you know, when you actually know someone and in your case, your son whom you love, right? There's no, Mm -hmm. there's no way that breaks down these cultural ideas that have been handed down to you. There's just, they can't face up to the love that you have for that person. And you recognize their humanity. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine my son not feeling that like he could tell me that right about himself, that he would think that I would hate him for it. And I don't understand parents that do that to their children or just don't like anybody for that reason. But it's, you know, it sort of starts at home. Those are your kids. Yeah. That's one of the things that'll tick me off. I'm not a hugger. I'm not going to be one of those people that say, you know, if your parents don't want like you because, you know, you're gay, I'll give you a hug. I won't do that. I'll give you a high five. (laughs) Not going to hug you, (laughs) but I will. I will support you. And if, you know, someone kicks you out of your house because of that, you know, I have a spare bedroom that you can stay in until you can get on your feet. Yeah. So, anyway, I get a little... I don't know. I get a little emotional talking about that. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I think I, I didn't have a family member, but even just very distant acquaintance friends who were gay, you know, that ate at me. I couldn't, you know, I could not square that circle between what I was supposed to think of, of them and what I did think of them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I feel guilty now, like, you know, that it took so long for me to, to really overcome the Christian background and fully embrace the LGBTQ community. It felt, it feels like it took too long. Right. Right. But that I remember that tension of just something's got to give here. This is a human being, (laughs) you know, I can't, I can't not love them. That's actually looking back. One of my biggest regrets in life. I was always the type of person, if you were my friend and if someone was picking on you, I would go and, Make that person stop. Uh, You can't tell by my portliness now, but I was a football player and a wrestler. I was pretty good at both. Mm -hmm. And so I would go and be like, hey, you're not going to do that to my friend. You're going to treat them kindly because if you're picking on them, you're picking on me. And usually that was enough to, to stop it. But when I was in high school, there was somebody that was uh, gay and people picked on him. And I never did anything about it. And looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, why didn't I stop it? Um, 
you know, I don't yeah. beat myself up for it. I just regret that I, you know, didn't do because I can't change the past, obviously. But. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are many things that we did or did not do or said or did not say <laughs> that we regret uh, with this kind of hindsight. So I'm curious now, uh, like, is the rest of your family, are they Christian? And how, how did you talk through that? Have you had that conversation with your family? My children are all atheist or agnostic. And we all came to that viewpoint separately. Okay. I think my wife, you know, the term unequally yoked, she still believes. Yeah. But I'm not sure if the degree. Okay. Uh, my sister is a strong believer, but the Trump administration has completely changed her viewpoints, mm. which is the same with me. I could get into that. And my brother, my brother is a riddle wrapped in a mystery. He doesn't go to church. He loves to drink, but he loves Jesus. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't like modern church. He thinks that when you go to church, that it needs to be the choir comes out singing in robes. There needs to be a hymnal, you know, the old, the old right. pews. You don't have individual chairs. That's not churchy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, dude, we were, we were drinking beer in our kilts at the bar last night. What's, <laughs> what's yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, he's my brother is an interesting fella. <laughs> so do they know, but the, do they know that you have had a change of mind? My brother doesn't. And this sounds weird. I haven't told my brother because his way of debating with you is to send you, he YouTube bombs you with videos of people that agree with him. Sure. And I just don't want to get, hundred Alex Jones videos or preacher videos texted to me with watch this, watch this. This is why you're wrong. Yeah. I don't, I don't care if he knows. I just don't want to get all of those videos. Yeah. And I yeah, think I my that. sister has a clue. Okay. But I'm not like hateful towards, you know, religion or people that are religious. Uh, my mom was on hospice early this year and she passed away. Oh, I'm and, so sorry, Jack. Oh, it's all right. Thank you. She wanted us as so she was laying there sort of before she slipped out of consciousness. She wanted us to read the Bible to her. Mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't going to not do that for my mom. Yeah. So I read uh, John and Acts and Romans, and we went through the Bible fairly quick when people are working in one hour shifts reading the Bible. <laughs> it's yeah, amazing yeah. how fast that can go. <laughs> yeah. And and I just find this funny. My mom didn't want us to read uh, third John John 3 to her because she didn't like that one. It was her least favorite of the books of by John. I just okay. found that funny. <laughs> she's dying and she's like, Yeah, don't read me. Skip yeah. that book. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I found that funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, 
when you are losing a loved one, when they are in their final days, you do whatever you can to comfort them. I, you know, I yeah. try to, I try to keep on this side of lying, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, do what you can to have them be comfortable as, you know, and that may be uncomfortable for you. I just, I think that's the way to go. Yeah, you know, I love my mom. I miss my mom. She wanted me to do that for her. I would think I would be kind of horrible if I didn't. So you hinted earlier that the Trump phenomena had an impact on you. Do you want to describe that for us then? I couldn't understand how the very things people demonized and hated Bill Clinton for Donald Trump had done like 10 times worse. Yeah. And I couldn't square that. And then all of a sudden, all these evangelicals are coming in for Trump. And I'm like, you know, this guy like has never not cheated on a wife. Yeah. He cheated on his current wife six days after giving birth with a porn star. Yeah. But he's God's man for the presidency. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. And as, as you know, the, the longer the election went on and then when he was president, it became like a, a cult-like following. And I, I did not understand that. I had always been like a conservative Republican before that. And now, I, now I'm a, a liberal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for some of my family, that would be a harder thing for them. To That's take worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just couldn't, I just could never square that. How you're saying he has the anointing of God. And I'm just like, you know, there are other people that were running for president that like actually have read the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to me that maybe God would have picked one of them. Yeah. Um, but that whole phenomenon just was weird. And then when uh, COVID started, his reaction to that, and then sort of the same thing, all of these evangelicals, you know, going nuts and talking about how abortion is horrible, life matters, God loves all life, but I'm not going to put a mask on to prevent you from getting a disease that could kill you. Yeah. And I was like, what? That's like the least Christian-y thing you can do. I'm pretty certain if Jesus were alive today, he'd be wearing a mask. And he wouldn't <laughs> yeah. need to, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, excellent. You know, point. Yeah. If there was a Jesus he, and he got COVID, he could just like touch himself and he'd heal himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find it fascinating that, you know, having watched this play out and still, it is still playing out but the evangelicals lost the moral high ground. They never had it, but they, right. you know, they, the, that they purported to have. And, and now there's just, it's just naked ambition and there, there's no way to, to hide that. It's clearly political and there, you know, there, there's no way you can defend from a Christian perspective. Why, why Trump would make a better president. Yeah. I, I agree with you com completely. It's, it's mind boggling to me. <laughs> I have spent so many hours talking with my wife and my kids. And every time we're just, we end it with, I just don't understand it. <laughs> I don't get it. And you know, the, the masks and the pandemic and these 
you know, you see these preachers up there preaching about, you know, if you wear a mask in my church, I'm going to have you removed. Wow. That, that seems, that seems loving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, both, both from the evangelical perspective and the conservative political perspective, it seems like a bad strategy to have your constituencies be vulnerable to a deadly disease. Well, yeah. I mean, when you depend on tithes, it seems to me that you would want them all to mask because if they're dead, you're not getting their 10%, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, now I sort of have other reasons why the evangelical church and even like the independent fundamental Baptists and the new independent fundamental Baptist, because the old ones weren't conservative enough. Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And when I see stuff like there is no such thing as marital rape, when you get married, if the husband wants it, Hmm. you have to do it. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not the case. Rape is rape. And if you are fine with your child being raped and you arrange the marriage, in my opinion, you're a horrible, horrible person. Yeah. And you see, you know, that's a big thing with, with those people that believe that. And it drives me insane. I I don't know. Again, I think you take the rose colored glasses off and there's no way to spin that to something moral in any way. It's, it is immoral. I I agree a hundred percent. It, it's maddening to me because my love for my children is so great that I wouldn't want someone to do that. Right. You know, to my, my kid, my, my eldest daughter's boyfriend hit her one time and she didn't tell me cause she was afraid I was go over there and beat the crap out of him. She didn't <laughs> want me to get arrested. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> So let's, uh, as we're starting to wrap up, uh, tell me a bit about, you know, this side of deconversion. Um, what things are, give meaning for your life? What, what, are, what are some of the sources of information that you find valuable? Well, one thing I would suggest if you're in this process and you listen to conservative talk radio and Fox news, take a year off and don't listen to any news other than your local weather. That creates a fog on your mind. Mm. And when I did that, it was one of the biggest changes in me because I realized that the food I was being fed was kind of poison. Yeah. And, and that was a big change and find stuff in your community that you like and join that. There are lots of local clubs, go volunteer somewhere. You know, your time is one of the most valuable assets you have volunteer. And it doesn't even have to be like serving food at a homeless shelter or something like that. If you're like proud of your Scandinavian history, there's probably a Scandinavian club where you live or Scottish club or Irish club or kelp, you know, join that and Mm -hmm. you'll meet new friends and that will help 
replace sort of the loss of your church family, because when you quit going, the church family that loves you tends to never see how you're doing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But just doing stuff like that, and you'll be surprised how, how easy it can be to just sort of move on. And um, my wife and I got a, got a puppy that training him helps. Yeah. (laughs) Something to work on. And yeah, I do not have the energy level that he has, (laughs) (laughs) nor do I grow at the rate that he's growing at. Yeah. But you know, stuff like that, there's just all sorts of things. Find something that interests you in your community and go be a part of it. Go volunteer. You won't know anyone at first, but you didn't know anybody when you switched churches the first time. Yeah. And you'll meet people and make good friends and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Jack, before I let you go, I understand that you have a podcast of your own. Do you want to tell us about that? I do. I have a podcast called Musings of an ADD Mind because um, I deal with that. And the beautiful thing about naming it that is I can talk about whatever I want. So we talk some about my non-understanding of Trump and his issues and COVID. Mm -hmm. And this month I have various friends of mine that I've interviewed just about their experiences growing up in America. Okay. Uh, All sorts of people. Uh, My one uh, friend is Korean American and she talks about growing up Korean American in a very small Kansas farming town. Yeah. And how uh, she grew up eating kimchi at home and sauerkraut with all of her friends. She, she's like, I love the stinky cabbage food. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to have people on that talk about history and they're going to talk about space, just whatever, whatever strikes me at the moment when you've had 50 years of hyper-focusing on subjects, you know, a lot of random crap. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Very cool. Uh, well, we will have links in the show notes for that. And Jack, just thank you so much for telling your story. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Final thoughts on the episode. I really appreciate Jack's honesty in talking about the growth that he has gone through, both on the politics side and on the spiritual side. Having his son come out as bisexual, but having come from a very traditionalist, conservative, Christian background. I really think it's interesting that history played such a significant part of Jack's story that beginning to recognize the stories of the Old Testament are very similar to those of others in Mesopotamia. But that highlights again the need to just search out the truth wherever it may be found. That many of us protected ourselves from that truth by having sources of information that were off limits. In this case, history. (laughs) Just uh, digging into history was a part of that. I also appreciated Jack's honesty in talking about not being sure whether he was a deep believer or that it was potentially the ADD hyper-focus element. He just was all in from that perspective. As we said in the discussion, I think that's just Jack being more honest than some of us, including me. I don't think it takes away from the fact that Jack was all in, that he was trying to live out the Christian life to the best of his ability. 
But one of the most fascinating stories that Jack told was early in the episode when he and his girlfriend had had sex and he told some confidants and those confidants basically told on them to the entire youth group. And that feeling of being judged was very significant. And I think beyond that, Jack says explicitly that he expected there to be some grace. And instead of grace, it was judgment. I think that actually was a really pivotal moment in Jack's story. And one of the fatal flaws within Christianity is that the concept of grace is built into what Jesus has to say in the New Testament. And yet, in practice, that rarely actually occurs. As an example of real grace is when Jack was able to read the Bible for his mother who was dying. That would have been incredibly uncomfortable, and I'm sure he struggled to make that decision, and yet uh, his mother was more important than purity in that particular moment. I really commend Jack for that act of grace. I want to thank Jack for being on the podcast and for being so honest and telling his story. I'll remind you here that Jack has a podcast called Musings of an ADD Mind. There will be links in the show notes. It seems like several of the last episodes, Trump has come up in more overt ways than I have addressed in the past. My apologies. I don't actually like this to be a political podcast. And yet it is such a inflection point for so many people from 2016 on or so. Really, we get the entire evangelical phenomena community from Trump, a watershed moment for evangelicals and ex-evangelicals. The Secular Grace Thought of the Week is when Jack and I talked about guilt for our prior selves. In Jack's case, the anti-LGBTQ stance before his transformation and before knowing that his son was bisexual. I think there are so many places that we can look back with hindsight, with 2020 vision, and no, we did the wrong thing, we said the wrong thing, or we didn't do or say the right thing. It is really easy to beat yourself up about that. The secular grace thought is that we have to allow ourselves to grow as human beings. We are all on that journey. We are all growing as human beings and learning about one another and how we relate to each other. And although I don't think we should look back and make excuses, I do think that we should give ourselves some grace to continue to grow, to become more loving, more inclusive, more embracing human beings. And Jack epitomizes that by talking about, I can't imagine not loving my son. That captures it all right there. Until next time, my name is David, and I am trying to be the graceful atheist. Join me and be graceful human beings. Time for the footnotes. The beat is called Waves from Makai Beats. Links will be in the show notes. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can promote it on your social media. You can subscribe to it in your favorite podcast application, and you can rate and review it on podchaser.com. You can also support the podcast by clicking on the affiliate links for books on gracefulatheist.com. If you have podcast production experience and you would like to participate with the podcast, 
please get in touch with me. Have you gone through a faith transition and do you need to tell your story? Reach out. If you are a creator or work in the deconstruction, deconversion, or secular humanism spaces and would like to be on the podcast, just ask. If you'd like to financially support the podcast, there's links in the show notes. To find me, you can Google Graceful Atheist. You can Google deconversion. You can Google secular grace. You can send me an email, gracefulatheist at gmail.com. Or you can check out the website, gracefulatheist.com. My name is David, and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. Join me and be graceful human beings. This has been the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.